Today on the show, we're talking about debt. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and this week I'm joined with Trevor, and we're back with another episode, and this week we're talking about the luminous subject of debt. Yeah, debt is something that, unfortunately, I, I would say everybody in this podcast will, will experience debt at some level at some point in their life. So this is a topic I think everybody could relate to. So when you say everyone will experience debt, I mean, I, I, I think that's completely accurate. But can we can we talk about the subject of debt and if there's ever kind of a good reason or a bad reason to incur it? Do, so my question around that is, do you think there is good and bad debt? Well, there is. So there's a sort of an overarching rule that you should only borrow money for things that go up in value and never borrow money for things that go down in value. So a good example is if you buy a house, it's going to go up in value. So borrowing money to do that will, will only increase your wealth. And it's something that goes down in value, like a car. If you borrow money to buy a car, from the minute you buy the car, its value is going down. You're, you're not increasing your wealth at all. You've actually bought a liability. So I think that's sort of a an overarching rule. Now, is it realistic? I, I, I'm going to say maybe not for everybody at every stage of their lives. So I, I do like that. I like that explanation. So I want to throw out a few examples. So I think the one maybe burning question that our listeners may be wondering and one that I'm wondering about is is education. And I, if any of our listeners are, are a fan of the minimalist, I know they say you can do it without getting into debt, but well, let me give you my, my three things I would borrow money for. And there's only three things. So I would borrow money to buy a house, like I said already. It's going up in value. And it's unrealistic to think that you're going to save up enough. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's it's fairly unre- unrealistic for the average person to save up all the money you need to buy a house. So I, I'm going to say I would borrow money to buy a house. I would borrow money for education, because you're going to go up in value. If you educate yourself, you're going to increase your earning potential. Now, can you get education without borrowing money? It's possible. You, you, it's, it can be done and a lot of people do it. So I'm not saying you have to, but I would, you know, if the circumstances dictated the only way I'm going to get this education is to borrow money. And the only other thing I would borrow money for, and I know this doesn't sound like me, <laughs> but for a car under a very stringent circumstances. So I would only, if, if I had to borrow money for a car, and I'm going to say it, it, this can absolutely be done without borrowing money. You, you, in fact, I'll, first I'll go over how you get a car without borrowing. You start out with a, a, a $1,000 car or $1,500 car, and you drive that, and while you're driving it, you save up money to buy a $3,000 car. And then while you're driving that $3,000 car, which is probably last twice as long as the $1,500 car, you save up money to buy a $5,000 car. And of course, that car is going to last longer. And, and while you're driving that, you're saving up the money to buy a $7,000 car. And you just keep upgrading your car until you get to something, a place you're comfortable with the reliability of, of your car and the, the comforts it delivers and, and how much it costs. So you just keep upgrading your car. It, so And you, you, don't, you drive the $3,000 car until it, it kind of becomes unreliable. That's when you move on. And hopefully you've saved up $5,000 for the next car. And you drive that until it's unreliable and so on and so on. So the problem is a lot of people want to get into like a fifteen or $20,000 car right away. That's where things go bad. So 
But I, I'm going to say, here, here's the, the isolated case where I would borrow money for a car. So I would borrow money for a car under the conditions, one, it, it has to be paid off in three years or less. So and I, I say three years in that you're going to pay this off with such a level of intensity in, in, in such a short window of time that it's not going to, you're not going to incur a lot of interest. It's not going to, it's not going to put a, a burden on your finances for an extended period of time. And the other circumstance of borrowing money for a car is, is if that car is going to enable me to expand my job horizon. So I, I'm going to be able to get a better paying job because I'm able to get, uh, with a car, I can get to more jobs. I've increased this, the, 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 the circumference of jobs I can, I can take. So I guess having a car, it, it, it improves my mobility in terms and and there's actually some jobs that require you to have a car and and that's even more of a reason to have one so and and I say that in that it's going to increase my earning potential there's there's circumstances where I would own a car or borrow money for a car so uh, that car one I I know I sounded really sort of wishy-washy about so I'm I'm on the fence you don't have to borrow money for a car but if you do it has to be in a really small window of time so I, of course, want to unpack those three reasons when it's appropriate to to uh, to, to get into debt. So uh, rolling back to the house, yes, you said it's okay to uh, take on debt when, when purchasing a home, but I think we've, that comes with a caveat of that home has to be one that you can repay within um, uh, within a, with a good amount of years. And how, how many years would you say that is, Trevor? Because yes, you can borrow debt and the bank will probably be willing to to lend you more money than you probably should. Uh, she'd be loaned for, the, for this home. But what's your kind of rules around that? Well, we did a two-part episode on the 15-year mortgage. And that's what I did. I did a 15-year mortgage. And that is... Uh, the one of the caveats in a 15-year mortgage is you can't live in one of Canada's most expensive cities because I, I don't know if it really, the math kind of doesn't work that well in Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, you know, those, those hot spots. So uh, I think you should, if you, so long you don't live in one of those expensive cities, I, I think a 15-year mortgage should be your goal. And, and that, so I'm willing to borrow money for a house. It's going up in value. But I don't want this to be a drain on my my whole my whole working career. Have this boat anchor of a mortgage tied to me. So I want that paid off in fifteen years. So next, I want to talk about the education piece, and we brought this up on the podcast before about how yes, an education has the potential to increase your earning potential and 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 really be truly beneficial to uh, to personal growth and 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 everything everything positive. There's only positive things to say, but. I think it's we and we've talked about this. We we have numerous uh, episodes kind of dedicated to talking about what happens when you when you don't finish that education or you uh, you don't receive a, a job or a career within that that line of of education. So you don't actually utilize that piece of education. Well, and this is the biggest problem with if you, if you if you borrow money to educate yourself. And then you don't get a job in that field and you don't get that high paying reward for borrowing the money to educate yourself, then you, you don't, you end up not having the resources to extinguish that debt. And that, that's where 
a student loan that ends up lasting 10 years or more because you you just never landed the job or or this is the worst case is you you go and get three you spend four years trying to get a degree and you don't succeed meaning you 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 lose motivation or it, it just wasn't in your real house you didn't succeed educationally so you you didn't actually get a degree but you got all the debt to go with it and, and then you you really don't have a chance of, of getting that really good paying job to pay that pay off that debt so that, that that's that's the one so when you're going in you have to be sure you're going to succeed at this and a lot of times you go into your field you have to take a lower paying job just to get the experience before you can actually start to get paid in a particular field and so that also puts a burden on repaying that student loan. So it's kind of twofold, but I think you should, what happens, and not, this is a very common thing, is, is when you have debt, it should be considered a financial emergency and it needs to be treated like an emergency. And people just get comfortable making payments and they want to stretch it out just as long as they can to get the payments as small as they can. And this is a is a horrible approach to debt repayment. So, uh, w- those are kind of the 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 flaws in borrowing money for education is is you you actually need to figure out exactly how you're going to repay this debt. Actually, any debt you get, you need to know a very detailed plan of how you're going to repay it when you're borrowing the money, not after you've spent it. So, th- with a student loan, I, that one's a little harder because you don't know what kind of job you get, where you're going to work, what you're going to get paid. So it's really hard to work out the details of that. And I and to, to talk about the last point that you brought up, um, getting into debt to purchase a vehicle. So I, I want to go back to, you said that you shouldn't borrow money for a $15,000, $20,000 car. And, and I that sounds pretty standard. That sounds like something that seems at twenty thousand isn't isn't crazy. It's not. It's not really break, breaking the bank. But why would you encourage our listeners not to pursue that route? Well, it's just so. So where I live, I live in a in a rural area where public transit is not really reliable, or it doesn't run frequent enough that it could get you to and from work in a timely fashion. So where I live, public transit really is not going to get me to and from work. So just imagine I didn't own a car. I didn't have enough money to buy a car. And I, 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 as a result, I would have missed out on a really good paying job that was just too far to walk to or ride a bike to in the winter or however I was going to get there. I just couldn't get there in time. It's literally, it's, it's just say it was 20 kilometers away. I don't think it's realistic to walk 20 kilometers a day to work. At least for me, I don't know. Some, some, they might. I don't think I could given different weather conditions. So having a car actually increases my earning potential. Now, that's how I can get behind borrowing money for a car, but it, you, it has to be a financial emergency in terms of repaying the debt on that car because it's just going down in value with every passing day. But I think you could get into a car if you're willing to buy a, a used, you know, beater for, for not, you know, couple of thousand dollars save that money up put two thousand dollars down drive this thing until just drive the wheels off it so so it 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 literally it's dead on the side of the road hopefully you've been saving your money while you're driving that car to buy your next car and that's that's kind of how i would progressively upgrade my car as 
as my current car died, I would move on to the next one and hopefully I'd save enough money, enough money that my next car is better than the one I had before. But, but still you don't, you, you don't encourage the, the kind of the, I'm going to call it standard um, debt that we get into when you purchase, when you purchase in a low to, to mid priced car. Well, here's some, some research I've done on, on cars. 100% of the cars repossessed had financing on them. Now I'm kidding. I didn't do any research, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's, that's a solid, solid assumption. So by borrowing money, you, you, for a car, what you do is you just introduce risk into your life. So, and the risk is if I lose my job, I lose my car. If I lose my car, I lose my ability to get a job. So you, you end up in, in this vicious circle and just say you end up with a $65,000 truck, my favorite topic. Well, <laughs> just accidentally sudden, just end up with one. All of a sudden, the job you need has to at least cover all your life, life expenses plus a $65,000 truck payment. So all of a sudden, you might miss this awesome career-building opportunity to, to, to develop skills that will pay off in the future. You, you might have to give up on this great entry-level opportunity because it doesn't pay enough to cover your truck payment. And it, that, that's, a, that's a horrible outcome, right, Be, for, for the, the bad decision of buying a, a truck with great big tires that you can't really afford. So I, I've never owned, and I, I'm I'm focusing in on this one because I, I just I feel like this is maybe one that is really really relevant to to everyone listening. I mean, like we always say, everyone kind of owns a vehicle in Canada. Not everyone, but a lot of people do, and it's a purchase, like you always say, Trevor, that we make over and over again, and we can get wrong. So I don't own a car, but I'm I'm curious to to hear about how you went about when you were first getting a car. How, I mean, how did you approach us and how has your mindset changed? I mean, when you were first getting that car, we probably have some listeners who are, who are thinking of purchasing or purchasing their first car. I mean, that's, uh, that's my shoes soon when I, uh, when I can't utilize public transportation as well as I can. So how do you kind of, how do you kind of shift that mindset that you might have when you're first starting out and you have that kind of thirst and hunger to, to get a, a certain car? Well, so this is, I, I speak from experience. This is when I got wrong. So when I was in my early 20s, everybody I knew had a new car. My, my parents did, my brother did, my friends, everybody had a new car. So uh, I went out and I bought a new, I financed a new car. And I also happened to be working at a job. I, I, I thought I liked when I took the job, but it turned ugly in a hurry. And I just hated that job. So I started looking for another job. After I bought my car, I realized I, I did not like my job. And I'm, I remember missing, like looking at job opportunities that were really good career building opportunities, but they didn't pay enough. And when I say they didn't pay enough, something doesn't pay enough when it doesn't cover your bills. And I had this extra bill, this car payment. So I'm speaking from experience. I made, uh, I'm going to say bad career building job decisions because of my expenses. So I, I'm speaking from, I wish I hadn't done that. And I, you know, I, I, I know a person personally right now. He is, he's, he's in his, I'm going to say mid thirties. He, he worked in a factory, a really good factory job, good paying job. And he went to night school to become a certified financial planner. And he just, when you hear him talk about certified financial plan, when you hear him talk about it, he is so passionate. I mean, he, 
he reads stuff on this. He's he's like me. I love personal finance. So this guy just he just loves it. Uh, but he's he's even more passionate than I am. We should get him on the podcast actually. And I say, well, why don't you get a job in that field? He says, I can't afford to. And I say, what do you mean you can't afford to? He says that you don't make enough money starting out in certified financial planning to cover his lifestyle. So he he's make and just for the record, he's he drives a pretty nice truck. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just drawing connections here, right? So I, I got to think if that truck wasn't in his life, it, it, it might be, take more than that truck, but he, he might make different decisions based on, you know, job opportunity decisions. So he's, he's working in a factory job he really does not enjoy. And he actually went as far as to educate himself to become a certified financial planner. But starting out in that career path, you, you're, it's, I guess not that lucrative. So he, it's an opportunity he can't take at this, this time. Wow. And so I, I love that a lot of firsthand looks into, 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 into this actual topic of, of, of debt. So Trevor, we were focusing on an article today um, entitled five reasons why people get into debt. It is from skint dad. So Trevor, we're going to dive into a really great article today called Five Reasons Why People Get Into Debt. It's by Skint Dad. It's a UK-based article by Ricky Willis, but is completely applicable to, to what we're talking about today. And before we even get into these five reasons that Ricky has laid out within this article, I kind of just want to, I just want to talk about the phenomenon of debt. Yes, we listed off three reasons why it might be appropriate to, to take on debt. But generally, as a society, we all know that debt is, debt's not good. Debt's a bad thing and something we want to avoid. But but why is it something, I don't know, are we drawn to it? Is it, is it ma- magnetic? Why why do we end up with consumer debt? Uh, so many people when, when we all know that it's it's not a good thing to, to take on. Well, the problem with debt is it, this is consumer debt. So debt, structured debt is like a mortgage, uh, a student loan. Those are structured debt. But consumer debt is just debt where you can just wander in. You can aimlessly wander into debt. And unstructured debt is debt that has no repayment plan. So it, it, it is repaid. Uh, a lot of times you have to make minimum payments, which really represents just the interest. So, but there's no plan to repay the principal. So this is credit card debt. This is uh, home equity lines of credit for home improvements and things like that. What, so bad debt is debt that you want, consumer debt that you wander into with, with no plan of getting out. And the problem in our society today is, is the preferred form of payment for everybody now is your credit card. And the credit card companies have made it super easy in they, they, they advertise that they're going to bear all the risk of fraud, all this tap and pay. It's never been so easy to use credit than in the history of, of economics than it is, is today. In fact, if you pull out cash at a register, you you look at the person who's cashing you out. Quite often, I do this. They roll their eyes. They go, "Oh, oh my God, this guy's going to pay cash." You know, this is this is so much effort. You know, and now I have to count. I have to do math. Great. So, in fact, when I see some, okay, so I'm a hypocrite. When somebody in front of me is paying cash, I roll my eyes too. <laughs> I'm going, "Oh, this is going to take forever." You know, tap and go. What happened to that? Right. So it, it is. In fact, I read an article that over in Sweden, they're getting chips implanted in their wrists so they no. can... No. Yes, yes, yes. 
and, and the, the a record number of people are getting these chips implanted to pay. So and there, it's all tap and go. And then of course your 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 phone. I get an iPhone reference in here. It's tap and go, right? You can pay with your phone. So it's actually the preferred form of payment by almost everybody. So it, it, that's the problem. Is is debt is the primary source of payment and then then again there's no formal process in place that people have to repay that debt for the most part it, when it was, so i like this the the no no formal uh, repayment method i like that because so so what you're saying is it is it a lack of self self kind of self uh, self just self drive to, to pay that off or is a lack of education about the best way to pay that off like where where is it where's where's it falling apart well, so if you go back to the days when people used to write checks, right? This is going way back, right? People just don't write checks anymore. But you used to have to balance your checkbook. And in doing that, that was your way of knowing what checks cleared the bank and is there enough money in my account to cover the next check I'm going to write. So it required some bookkeeping. That, that, was, that was mandatory for writing checks because the last thing you want to do was bounce a check. So and you, you, nobody, you didn't want to keep, you know, excess money in your, your checking account because it didn't pay a reasonable interest rate compared to your savings account. With a credit card, it requires no bookkeeping skills at all, right? Your, your statement comes in and it says minimum payment right at the bottom. You make that minimum payment, you don't have to do any bookkeeping at all. So they're trying to make it so there is no structure. The last thing credit card companies want you to do is repay your balance in full. Nobody, they don't win in that game at all. And so the people that do repay their credit card statement in full, they're doing some bookkeeping. They got some bookkeeping skills, right? They're 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 reading all the fine print and, and managing their finances. But most people are just looking for that that one number, minimum payment, done, move on. No, that makes complete sense. And and the way you kind of explain that, it it, it really it resonates. And it, it well, well, debt doesn't make sense. The reason kind of how we pay it off and how we go about looking at it makes sense. You know, if using a credit card was more difficult than using cash or writing a check, less people would use it, right? It, it would, but it, the the system, the, the financial system, they, that's what they want us to do. They want us to, in, in a perfect world, in fact, you know all these points you get from credit cards? The only way they can, to make financial sense of how can they offer me, like I use a, a PC MasterCard and I get, you know, great gobs of free groceries because I use it. And the only way they can actually offer that financially, in my mind, is the people that pay interest on their credit card are actually buying me groceries, right? That, that's the only way it mathematically works. Otherwise, these credit card companies be going out of business. No, that's, that's true. That's really, really true. So I, that's kind of the, I like that, the overarching reason why we, why we rely on debt, why we use debt. But let's dig deeper now into Ricky Willis's five reasons why people get into debt. Again, this article will be in our show notes. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go through this. So reason number one is, is life changes. And so this is where something in your life has changed. Maybe you've had a child, you've got married, you've bought a house, and you haven't re- revisited your budget. You haven't revisited your, the math in your personal finance life to say, does this all still work? You know, does the math still work? And if you don't revisit that, but you keep living the same life, or just say somebody lost their job, but you and you tell yourself, "Well, this is just temporary." You know, I'm going to find another job, or I've just been laid off, and, and you don't make any changes to your financial life. So the income's changed, the expenses haven't. 
and this is quite common, you know, people aren't willing to, when someone loses their job or gets laid off, it should result in some financial pain of some kind because you've lost uh, maybe 50% of your household income. And, but the, you know, the, the cables package continues, the gym membership continues, two cars in the driveway continues because in your mind, this is temporary. Well, if temporary rolls into nine, 10, 12 months and you still think it's temporary, chances are you've resorted to debt to, you know, pick up the slack of that missing income. So that's a great example of how a life change, if not addressed financially, you end up, you know, making up the difference with debt. So when when we talk about how life changes, I mean, we can't play the victim card here, can we? I mean, at what point do we have to take ownership that life is going to change and, and we have to, you said that we do have to make kind of these, these concessions and we do have to change the way we spend our income, but your credit card and accumulating debt can't be used as this kind of this, this crutch because you, for lack of planning. No, but the, the just, I think the important thing is you, you have to acknowledge there's been a life change and life changes are things like, like I said, I, I, a loss of job, uh, a new addition to your family. Um, maybe you, you've changed residences and you're in a more expensive apartment. These are all things that you, you have to revisit your budget and say, does the math still work? And if it doesn't, you have to change something so the math does work. So let's move on to the next point. And before we even get there, there the I'm reading this article on uh, as we record this podcast on my laptop, and it's the irony of this ad as we're talking about why people get into debt. There's a Black Friday ad from Home Depot for uh, save two hundred dollars on a new uh, ultra large capacity stackable front load electric steam dryer and graphite steel. And uh, it's it's a Black Friday deal, and it's just it's just sitting there, and it's it's, it's ironic. It's very ironic. Wow, that's probably the uh, the nicest five thousand dollar washing dryer <laughs> that you'll ever own. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a regularly um, a fa- one thousand one hundred and forty eight dollars on for nine forty eight. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just put that on your Home Depot card, I guess. Yeah, might as well. So the second point here is lack of emergency lack of emergency fund. So this is, we, we did a whole episode on emergency funds and the people that don't have emergency funds, so an emergency is not Christmas, an emergency is not that summer vacation. Emergencies are things, unanticipated life events. So Murphy's Law, like when your refrigerator stops working, if you don't have an emergency fund, it, you're not likely to get too far without a fridge. So especially if you have a family, you pretty much need a fridge. So what are you going to do? You're, you're going to not have a fridge. You don't have any emergency funds. So I guess we'll go to Home Depot. We'll get a Home Depot card and put our fridge on the Home Depot card and worry about how we pay for it later. So that that worked, right? So solve that problem. Well, now the transmission goes in my car. Well, I guess I'll put that on this other credit card because I, I still don't have any emergency fund. I got to pay off that fridge and I need a transmission. And then the next thing is the roof's leaking. Well, I've run out of credit cards. Now what, right? So this is where using credit in place of an emergency fund, it may work once, it may work twice, but eventually you're going to run out. And too many emergencies are going to stack up on top of each other 
and credit will not solve your problem. So emergency funds should be three to six months of, I'm going to call them survival expenses. And I, I mentioned some expenses that come into your life that, that um, are unanticipated, but quite often people will uh, think it's, it's three to six months of income, but it's not. It's three to six months of expenses. And I say the distinction there is that I hope everybody listening to this podcast spends less than they earn. So that that's the significance. So an emergency fund is not as big as you think it is, but it, it should be three to six months of living expenses. And it, it is required. It's, this is not something you, you, you might do one day because it, it sounds like a good idea. This should be a, a, a rite of passage. I mean, emergency fund is the foundation of every personal finance equation. But Trevor, a last minute deal that I didn't know about came up for the Black Friday. I have to get my graphite steel front loader. But that's not, <laughs> Black Friday is not an emergency. But Trevor, it came out of nowhere. I had no idea it was going to be on sale. No, no, no. <laughs> no. And you know, you know, it's amazing. So I talk about everything in your life, you should replace things based on their functional utility no longer being delivered. So when your washer and dryer fail to wash and dry clothes and the cost of repairing them doesn't make sense financial sense then it's time to get a new washer or dryer the chance of both of these things stop working at the same time i it's never happened to me yet right i've never replaced a washer and dryer at the same time because they've never failed at the same time so the number of people that get matching washer and dryers because one of them stopped working drives me crazy but there's no way when I you see the things in the news, there's no way when all these people go to buy appliances at Home Depot on Black Friday, I can't believe all these appliances stop working on Black Friday. What are the chances? And so these people are buying stuff because they're on sale. They're falling victim to marketing. It, you should not replace any appliance in your house until it's functionally no longer delivering what it was supposed to. And Trevor, I'm going to ask the question that I, I ask every time we, we talk about emergency funds. I've asked it time and time again, but I'm going to ask it again. I am in debt, but I, how do I possibly build an emergency fund while I'm trying to pay off debt? So you're not going to build an emergency fund overnight. It, it, it might take you a year to build a fully funded emergency fund. It, it might, might take you two years. Who, who knows your financial circumstances? But it starts at a place where you spend less than you earn. So you can't even begin to build an emergency fund until you solve that problem. So that, and we did a whole episode on that as well. But spending less than you earn is the first problem that needs to be solved. And once you've solved that problem, then that excess money, you know, spending less than you earn, it, it, your spending includes servicing the debts you already have. So you need to get the equation to, so you're including servicing all your debts, you're still spending less than you earn. That, that's, that's mission one. And once you get there, then you have the that excess money that becomes some of that goes toward building an emergency fund. So you're saying it doesn't have to be this overwhelming task of, of, of building this this overnight that it's it simply is just paycheck by paycheck and you set money aside slowly until it and it accumulates and, and and you just you simply leave it there don't touch it until an emergency actually strikes. Yeah and you I, I would say treat it like an emer building your emergency fund is an emergency to get, say, a foundation of, say, $1,000. So I would 
build an emergency fund very intensely until I reached that plateau of $1,000. And once I got there, then I would start adding to it in, in a more comfortable manner over time. But I think $1,000 solves a lot of life's emergencies or comes close to solving them. And I think it's a great starting point. And you won't believe how much you will sleep knowing you got $1,000 just waiting for Murphy to show up, right? Murphy's Law. Having $1,000 just sitting there, it, it takes the stress off you. You don't know the stress you're carrying, uh, wondering what next thing's going to go wrong, and you know you have nothing to cover it with. That is a subconscious stress that you're carrying that you have no idea until it's gone. And when it's gone, you're going to go, oh, I can't believe it, the weight I was carrying on, you know, not knowing I had this, this emergency fund now. So let's move on to point number three. And the third reason why we get into debt is because we bury our head in the sand. Now, I kind of touched on this earlier. This is where you think the problem is temporary. You think this is just, this is going to pass. You know, this, the, 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 the math not working in my financial equation is just temporary and it's going to get better and I'll just weather the storm. And burying your head in the sand is, is, is an expression of that. And I, I think this is where having a documented budget that you can look at and, and just say you do think this is going to pass and you look at the numbers, you know, three months and, and you've spent more than you earned for the last three months. And I go, well, you know, this form for you can start to project forward that the fourth and fifth month out, the math isn't going to change. So seeing it on paper stops you from burying your head in the sand, seeing, seeing how the math isn't, it doesn't, it didn't work for the last three months and it's not going to work for the next three months. You know, seeing that on a documented spreadsheet or some sort of tool, whatever you're using for budgeting, visually seeing that it hasn't worked for a while and it's not going to work anytime soon that is the best way to not bury your head in the sand. Because if, you, if you're just juggling numbers in your head and you're saying, oh, it, it's, it's, it's going to work out one of these months, <laughs> you know, I, I know it will, that, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. So that's for me. That I, I love knowing, okay, the math worked for the, you know, and I use these three months because if you get three months in a row where the math, the, the math didn't work, meaning you spent more than you earned, I don't like your chances of changing that unless something changes, like a life event, something changes, a new job or some expenses go away, like something has to change in your life. For, for And this is where burying your head in the sand is you just, you you convince yourself, you're, maybe you're an eternal optimist that, yeah, it's going to get better. And when really there's there's no reason to believe that. Skipping on to the fourth point. The fourth point is living beyond your means. And again, this, this is one that we've been uh, touching on all throughout this episode. This one seems obvious, right? It seems really obvious, living beyond your means. And there's an expression you should live within your means. I think you should, everyone should live below their means and, and it's quite a bit below your means. There should be this, I call it the financial edge. When you live on the financial edge, meaning you're spending everything you make, every penny you make is being spent or accounted for. That's exhausting to be on that financial edge all the time. You know, you're you're forever checking your bank account, checking your credit card balances. You're you're just you're on the edge. You you never know if it's going to work out until the month is over. You never know if you're going to have more month than money, and it didn't. It you know is it going to work out? Is it going to work? Out? Oh, it worked out. You know, you might have got lucky. It who knows. 
but living below your means, it, it will keep you out of debt for sure, right? This is, this is foolproof. Live below your means and, and you'll never turn to consumer debt ever. But it takes a discipline. It takes, uh, I don't care what the rest of the world's doing. This is about me, attitude, to live below your means. You can't, you have to be focused on, on building your own personal wealth, not what society thinks you should be doing. You know, that, 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 but living below your means, it, it will keep you out of debt, but it will, it, it is so comforting to know that there is, there's some padding in your, your numbers. You, you were padded from life events. They're, that That's more powerful than, than keeping you out of debt. But if the only reason you live below your means was to stay out of consumer debt, that's reason enough. And and Trevor, when we're talking about living beyond our means and, 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 and working to live within our means, we're talking about some uh, decisions that we make every single day, aren't we? We're talking this, in my mind, this is something that if whether we are in debt or not, this, whether we are, and if we are in debt, it might mean that we're living beyond our means. And, 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 and this is something that we can implement today, tomorrow, th- this minute, this second where we, we make that conscious decision that we're going to pull back the expenses and, and, and not spend more than we earn. Well, just the, the expression living beyond your means means you've designed a life that you're living day on a day-to-day basis that does not fit the income you're earning on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, buying that $65,000 truck, buying that house you can't afford, those things created monthly payments that that are dr- burdening your income, uh, that fancy gym membership, the the expensive cell phone plan, all these. And generally, this, this comes from bringing monthly payments into your life. You know, I know there's an expression like people can monthly payment themselves to death. It's like death by a thousand cuts. None of these things are, are really larger or you can't put your finger on any one of them and say, oh, this is my problem here or this is my problem here. It's death, death by a thousand cuts. It's a whole bunch of little things. Just you've... You, there's people that rent, you know, rent to own furniture. They, they, they're making credit card payments. They got a truck payment. They got a, a mortgage payment, a rent and gym memberships, cell phone plans, cable package. You, you end up monthly pay, paymenting yourself to death. And this is, and the problem comes when you can't nail down one thing. And then you've got to start to strip these things out of your life. That's, that's, that takes a lot of, inner reflection when you start stripping these these expensive lifestyle things out of your life and to your point there i i like that that you that you mentioned that it's hard to sometimes pinpoint down what what is really affecting or, or causing this 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 phenomenon of living beyond your means because it, it's it's like when you spend five dollars here and two dollars here and on coffee or, or going out for lunch like it doesn't add it doesn't look like much on a day-to-day basis but in the grand scheme of things it adds up so to your point if, if you cut if you cut out if buying that that in more inexpensive car downgrading your cell phone plan all of that will will add up to a cumulative positive effect yeah, a lot of times that $900 truck payment is an easy one to identify in your budget saying, oh, that's the problem right there. And if that's your case, then it's it's easy to fix. I'm living beyond my means as it relates to transportation. The rest of my financial life appears to be in order. Hopefully it's that easy for people. 
but quite often it's not, right? If you have an appetite for expensive vehicles, chances are you have an appetite for other expensive, lavish things in life as well. And this is where you end up living beyond your means. And there's an expression, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you surround yourself with with people who maybe make more money than you, and I, I fell into this trap when I was younger, and I, I, you, I was trying to keep up with people I financially couldn't. And I don't think you, it's, it sounds horrible to pick your friends based on how, you know, their bank statements, but you, you have to sort of run with your, in your financial circles, right? You'll, you'll always feel inadequate or feel bad about yourself if you're always driving a, an old beater car and your friends are driving really high-end vehicles. You'll feel like you, you've, you haven't succeeded when really the, you're using the wrong measuring stick. The second last point here is keeping up with the Joneses. And this, again, circles right back to what we've been talking about. And keeping up with the Joneses is really, in my mind, it's you're spending money and you don't know why. And you're going into debt spending money and you don't know why. So it's, so you, you're borrowing money to buy things you don't need to impress people you don't know. And that's... That's an expression the minimalists use, and it's so true. And it's one thing to buy things to keep up with the Joneses. Just say that's important to you. So you're keeping up with society because you're buying the latest fashion or your expensive vehicles or living in neighborhoods you can't afford. It's one thing to do that with the money you have. To me, that's a horrible thing to do anyway. But to borrow money to do that, to borrow money to accomplish that goal is just disastrous. I mean, because the whole thing keeping the drones is, is you're buying things and you can't even answer the question why. And to go into debt to do that is, is a travesty. The final point here is debt is not cool. And this point, I, I think, kind of sums up to the fact that Everyone around you may be driving a $65,000 truck and, and it, it may look nice and, and you may be envious of it. But behind that is the debt that doesn't, is not, is not fun to have on looming over your head. Well, and nobody knows how much you, like, that's just the thing. Everyone sees the vehicle. You know, there used to be a time where when, when my, my parents were coming of age, borrowing money for anything was hard like to get approved for a loan or approved for any kind of credit was was not easy not everyone got it so people drove what they could afford to pay for in cash and now borrowing money to buy a fancy vehicle people still believe that the driving a fancy vehicle is is a status symbol but the, the fact of the matter is you can lease a really high-end vehicle and your lease payments can be really, really low, low that the average guy on the street can afford them. So it, it, it's no longer a status symbol when when there's young people, I'm talking just getting the work world, earning just an average income, driving Mercedes and BMWs. I don't have to be a rocket scientist think these guys have not amassed, you know, they're not old enough to have built up enough wealth to buy that vehicle I know it's leased. I know it's financed in some way. So it, it, how is that a status symbol? That's why I don't, I don't get that. That I, I don't see how 
owning a really expensive vehicle is status. At one time it was. You needed cash. You needed you needed to be wealthy to borrow the money at the very least if you didn't have the cash way back in time. But today, anybody can get approved to buy a really fancy car because they, they either finance them over eight, nine years or you can lease it and those are even lower payments. So when debt is not cool, it, it if you thought it owning something gave you status, I, I think you're you're just fooling yourself. Was this specific point, was this something that you instantly saw as 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 a young person starting out or or something that you slowly learned? No, this this came to be the so car leasing was not always a thing. You couldn't the guy average person on the street couldn't lease a car. The only way you could ever get a car is by buying it. And I'm going to say in the 1980s, the late 1980s, leasing became a thing. And what leasing really is, is you're actually just buying part of the car. So when you lease, I've never leased a car, but I've looked into it. So when you lease a car, you're, you're, you're agreeing to have this car for say three years and you'll put no more than 60,000 kilometers on it and then you'll return it. So what you've done is you've bought the front half of that car the most expensive half as it turns out, but you've, you've only bought the front half of that car. The, the first three years of that car's 10 or 12 year life, you've just bought the first three years. And then they're going to, you're going to take it back to the dealer and then somebody else is going to buy a used car, someone like me. <laughs> and I'm going to buy the back half of the car and I'll buy, if the first person bought three years of life, I'll buy the remaining 10 years of life, say just for round numbers for about the same price that they bought the three years worth. And and so all you're doing is buying a portion of that car's life. So leasing all of a sudden, and then you're spreading those payments over three years for three years worth of this car's life. So yeah, it's not costing much. You're driving around in a, a $65,000 vehicle, but you really only bought a third of it, right? Or, or maybe half of it. You only, you only really... You only really bought a sixty-five, a thirty-five thousand dollar or thirty thousand dollar vehicle, because you only bought the first three years. So all of a sudden, if when you look at it from that way, you start doing math on it. Well, that's not so impressive, you know. That that's not that fancy of a car, right? In in today's dollars. So, but just from a distance, all you see is this sixty-five thousand dollar truck, and you go, "Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. This guy must be really rich." Turns out he's not. <laughs> And and I think when we look at debt, when when we say debt is not cool, we're I think we have to ask ourselves: Are we willing to to work that that much longer to pay for the amount of debt we've amassed? Is is, is that worth it? I mean, I I think those are the questions we have to ask ourselves and 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 think about the consequences that come along with 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 purchasing these things. Or what about my friend, my my aspiring uh, certified financial planner, who can't afford to work the job of his dreams because he's he's got debt he needs to service so he's he's stuck working a job he despises because he's driving a fancy car maybe living in a a, a real upscale home so he in in exchange for those two things he spends 8 hours a day at a job he despises maybe if he's willing to give up those comforts of life he could live his dream as a certified financial planner, eight hours a day, and, and who who knows where that would take him. 
No, and, and and that's a really good point. There, it's more than it's. There's our whole life essentially is impacted by the debt that we take on. And you're right. We have to ask ourselves: Is is my job satisfaction worth this debt? Is my is where I live? Is what home I live in? Is 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 every part of my life worth accumulating this debt? And it kind of puts things into perspective for you, and and to into what you feel your priorities are. And maybe it is. Maybe maybe your priorities are that $65,000 truck and and maybe you don't mind working till you're 65 plus years of age and and that's okay too I don't think we're gonna stand here sit here and say that's not okay I just think that it's all about evaluating that there is a choice so here's an extreme utopia of if if you could structure your life so you could live off of minimum wage here in Canada in Ontario it's $14 an hour so if you could structure your life, this is extreme utopia, that you could live off $14 an hour, then you become invincible to j- job loss. You lose a job at minimum wage, you just go get another job at minimum wage. At $14 an hour, I'm going to assume you probably don't have any debt repayment in your life. That that's a, it, it would be a pretty tall order to have debt repayment and be earning minimum wage why, why would you assume that, though? I mean, I, from a listener's perspective, I'm going to say, but if you're only making $14 an hour, how could you possibly not have debt? Well, I'm saying if you could structure your life so you could live off of $14 an hour. Okay, fair. If you could, then you become invincible to job loss. So that's an extreme example. So now I, I say that in that if you can get debt out of your life, you you become insulated from your own job loss more. So lo- the the consequence of losing your job to layoff or whatever reason, company goes out of business, the lower cost your lifestyle is, the the more insulated you are from job loss, meaning you could replace your 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 income requirements. Uh, you, you have more options. So I just think having no debt, if, if that was one reason to not have debt, consumer debt in your life or debt of any kind is is to give you that insulation from from job loss and yeah i mean there's got to be a recession on the horizon soon I, i'm that's what all the news stories are saying this is something that should be front and center in a lot of people's mind is getting debt out of your life so if job loss occurs you're not stuck flat-footed you know losing your house losing your having your car repossessed so trevor we've talked about here about why we get into debt. And I think the real question I'm wondering, the real question our listeners may be wondering at this point is how can we get out of debt? If we do have that $65,000 car payment, truck payment, if we are, if we, if we do have this absorbent amount of debt in our life, is it over? Have we, have we fallen too far down to the rabbit hole or what can, or what can we do to, to really kind of step backwards and, and, and make those differences that are going to push the needle? Well, you can absolutely wander into debt, but you cannot wander out of debt. You have to get out of debt as a deliberate action. So there's there's no just wandering out and making random payments, and all of a sudden you wake up one day and you, you're debt free. It that that it doesn't work that way. So the only way out of debt is to be deliberate and to do it in a very intensive manner. So there's there's two ways. There's one called the debt avalanche, and one's called the debt snowball. And I'm a fan of the debt snowballs, but I'll explain the debt avalanche first. So the debt avalanche is you list all of your debts, highest interest rate to lowest interest rate. 
So the theory here is we're going to pay off the high interest rate debts first, so maybe your credit cards, because the math says I'm going to save money by doing that. And then before you know it, you're paying off maybe your your mortgage would probably be your lowest interest rate. You pay that one off last. And I'm saying you didn't get out. You didn't get into debt because you your math skills were not what were not up to par, right? That's not how you got into debt. You got into debt because your behavior was not modified. So the debt snowball, this is one this one works on behavior. So if debt avalanche works on math, debt snowball works on behavior. So with with debt snowball, you list your debts smallest to largest and you pay off your smallest debt first. And in doing that, you get a win. So just say your smallest debt's $1200 credit card. So you 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 get a win. You get one debt collector out of your life and you 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 feel like you accomplished something, even though the interest rate might, the math says the interest rate, you should have paid that one off last. Motivationally, you should pay it off first to get the wins, to get a debt collector out of your life. You have to get a debt in an intense manner. You have to go at debt repayment with, I say, gazelle-like intensity. And you need to go at it, in, in, in if you go at it hard and you just, it's the most important thing in your life to get this debt done, you should be able to extinguish consumer debt in a, I'm going to say a two, two and a half year window. This is you taking all the frills out of your life, just putting it all to your debt and just going at it hard and just, you know, people will think you've, you've moved. You're, you're such a hermit because you, you can't afford to do anything. And, and so I'm a fan of the debt snowball because one is you're going to go at it so fast that the, the, the higher the higher interest rate on the debt avalanche, it won't make a difference. You're going to pay it off so quickly. So th- that's that's how you get out of debt. You don't wander out of debt. You do delivery. And you know, I said you list your debts smallest to largest. You actually do that. You you write it on paper and you stroke them off every time you you nail one. These aren't something you keep juggling in your head. You know, I got this debt. I got that debt. You have to actually write this down and and put it on your fridge. So you don't forget about it. You know why you're not ordering pizza. You know why you're not going out with your friends. It's because of this stuff on my fridge. And Trevor, we talk about all the time how we, if we want something, we should, it should become kind of this lifestyle that we, that we embrace and that anything that feels like a sacrifice won't be sustainable and won't be enjoyable. When we're talking about this kind of intense debt repayment when with this with this incredible intensity, is it is it going to be painful? Is it is it going to hurt? Oh, this one's going to hurt. It's going to leave a mark, right? <laughs> if you do it right, <laughs> this one's going to leave a mark for sure cuz you want it to. You want to never be here again. You want this one to hurt. You want this one to sting. You want this one to leave a scar so you don't forget what you went through to get out of debt. That's why and so, yeah, this one should feel like deprivation. This one should feel really uncomfortable when you're getting out of debt. That's when you know you're going at it with the right level of intensity. Trevor, that's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> but I guess when you're getting out of debt, when you're when you're trying to undo something that probably you've been doing either for years or even just just a short period of time, which I think is pretty easy when it comes to accumulating debt, it's. It's it it's not going to be easy and 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 I think this brings us full circle to the beginning of this podcast when we were talking about how we so easily just fall into debt. It's 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 
like you like you said, it's it's we can kind of trip and, and land in a pile of debt with with just with a blink of an eye or a single sneeze. And I think that's why again why we are in debt and why why it's nearly a lot why we most of us are in debt than than not working to get out of debt because of how of those sa- of tough sacrifices we have to make and how they don't always feel good. And, and we don't want to make those sac- tough sacrifices because, again, they are a sacrifice and, and they won't feel good. So, Trevor, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode dedicated to debt. Thank you so much to our listeners for being here with us on uh, it's, it's a Saturday of Black Friday, so super fitting to record this article, this episode about this article, Five Reasons Why People Get Into Debt. Um, we're really excited to bring you a roundtable next week dedicated to a certain upcoming holiday, which is fast approaching, and we're going to give it a little bit of a financial spin here on Simple Money Solutions. So we'll, uh, we hope to have you back here with us next week. Make sure to send us any questions, comments, or, or thoughts about this episode to us through our contact submission form at livelifesimple.ca or via email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. Thank you again for being with us. My name's Courtney. I've been joined with Trevor and we will see you right back here next week with a new episode. Until then, keep it simple.